Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Has the Lord allowed you to go through sufferings and difficulties in your life? Jonah was literally swallowed and was in the belly of a whale. What is the whale in your life today? Let's open our Bible now to Jonah chapter 2 and learn from Jonah these incredible principles of repentance and thanksgiving. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is Thursday morning here in Texas and hopefully y'all are doing good, loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. We say it over and over again, there is, uh, there's nothing in life that's, uh, that's more worthwhile, that's, that's, that's a bigger benefit to you than spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Got my nice cup of coffee here. Mm. Thank you, Lord. All right. Today, we're going to discuss Jonah chapter 2. It has 10 verses, so Lord willing, we'll get through the entire 10 verses and uh, just see what the Lord has for us. So we're going to go ahead and open in prayer, then we'll read it, and we will get rolling. Well, Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you for the living word of God, Father. Above all, we thank you for Jesus our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you and thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man on our behalf, for living a perfect life on our behalf, and for dying a perfect death on our behalf. And Lord Jesus, we thank you and we worship you as you are indeed alive and risen today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, Jonah chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Verse 1, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. We had done a, a series of teachings. I don't know. I think it was four teachings on Jonah chapter 1. And so today um, will be chapter 2. Verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. From inside the fish, Isabel, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. 
Where are you today? What fish are you inside today that you need to call out to the Lord? Jonah's in a bad place, right? He's been swallowed by a whale. This really did happen, right? Now we saw in chapter one, Jonah had repented for putting the entire ship in danger. We saw in chapter one that the Lord had commanded Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach. Nineveh did not want that city to be saved because they were so wicked. He did not believe they needed the Lord's salvation, so he rebelled. He went to the opposite direction. He got on a ship boarded for Tarshish, which is opposite Nineveh. The Lord bring a, a storm on the entire sea, and Jonah put an entire ship in danger. Could have been 150 sailors. Jonah repents to them, tells them that it's his fault, tells them to throw him off the boat, and the storm will stop, and certainly it does. And then Jonah's in the sea, and we see here that Jonah believed that his life was going to end, and then the Lord commands the whale to go and swallow Jonah. So in chapter 1, Jonah repented to, to the people he had put in danger. And we can see here that, that when we repent, when we ask for forgiveness, we see a principle where we, we certainly want to go to the Lord and repent of where we've made mistakes and the things we've done wrong. But we also go to people that we've wronged and where we've made mistakes or we said something we shouldn't have said or done something we shouldn't have done or where we were selfish or whatever it is, we just simply go and repent and say, I ask you to forgive me, right? Um, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Oftentimes, the Lord has to put us in a predicament before, we, before we'll repent. Sometimes we can just be stubborn. Sometimes we just, you know, we'll just want to hold on to our, you know, to our disobedience. We're just prideful. I certainly am. And sometimes the Lord brings circumstances in my life that are as such that from inside the fish, John prayed to the Lord. From inside the fish, Mariel prayed to the Lord. So where are you today? In what places has the Lord brought you where you need to go to the Lord and say, Father, I, I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I have been, I've been acting in ways that aren't true. What is it for you? Maybe it's vanity. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's pride, maybe it's selfishness, maybe you're too focused on money. Um, what is it today where you need to go to the Lord and just, and just repent, right? The good news is we can repent before we've been swallowed by a whale, okay? I don't want to get swallowed by a whale. You see what the whale represents? That's like a big deal, right? The Lord has to put Jonah in such an incredible position before he repents. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get to the place where I have to be swallowed by a whale before I'll bend my knee to Jesus, right? And the Lord can order our circumstances, and sometimes they can be pretty serious when we're stubborn. It could be stubborn in our unbelief or stubborn in our disobedience. So wherever you are today, if you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, if you haven't bent the knee to Jesus and acknowledged humbly that you're a sinful person and you need a Savior, do it today. Give your life to Jesus Christ today. A couple of teachings ago, we did a topical teaching on what is a Christian and how to become a Christian. If you go to the YouTube channel or the podcast, you can listen to that and learn what a Christian is. What are the ramifications? What happens when you become a Christian? And how do I become a Christian? 
and that teaching will uh, will share all of that. And if you're a Christian today and, and you know what the areas are that are out of place in your life, just, just bend the knee to Jesus and repent and ask for forgiveness before the Lord has to bring a whale to swallow you or to swallow me. It's not fun being inside of a whale. I'm just saying. Verse 2. Verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. Verse 2. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. In my distress, I called to the Lord. Whatever distress you're in today, you want to call to the Lord. Jonah knows that he can call to the Lord in his distress. Even though he's done wrong, even though he's made mistakes, even though he's been disobedient and done the opposite of what the Lord told him to do. The word, of the, the word of God came to Jonah. We have a Bible. It's the word of God. Even if you've gone in the opposite direction of the word of God and you're in a difficult situation now, in my distress, I called to the Lord, Jonah said. In our distress, sometimes we'll go to places we shouldn't go, right? Sometimes we'll take distress and we'll, we'll put ourselves in deeper problems, right? Um, sometimes in our distress, we go to the bar. Sometimes in our distress, we go to the internet and look at things we shouldn't look at. Sometimes in our distress, we, we just, we behave in unbiblical ways that are even worse. And certainly I've done this. But in our distress, we want to go to the Lord Jesus, right? When you're distressed, when things are not going right, when you're having issues in your life, right? Probably no one listening to this has been inside the literal belly of a large blue whale, right? Um, I certainly haven't. Um, but whatever the whatever the distress is, go to the Lord Jesus today, right? Repentance is the greatest tool in our toolbox. And look what it says. Verse 2, he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. If you will go to the Lord Jesus today in your distress, he will answer you, Scott. Mm. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Jesus wants to help you today. Whatever your situation, whatever's going on, even if you were the cause of it, you can go to the Lord Jesus, you can cry for help, and he will listen to you. He will listen to you. We have a merciful God. We serve a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are all God. They are three separate entities, Isabel. When you, when you come into relationship, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you come into relationship with God the Father as your Heavenly Father, with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and Master and King and Husband. You become part of what's called the Bride of Christ and the Body of Christ. You become family, spiritual family with all other true believers in Jesus Christ. You come into relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, and he becomes your guide, your counselor, your comforter. He lives in you. He goes with you wherever you go. And, 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 and whatever the distress is, whatever the problem is, whether it's for you or someone else, you want to call. You can ask for help. Verse two, I called for help and you listen to my cry. Jesus will hear you. Now look at verse three. Jonah, it says in verse 3, you hurled me into the deep. 
into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me, all your waves and breakers swept over me. Jonah acknowledges that the difficult situation he's in is the hand of God. You know, sometimes we believe that difficulties don't come from the Lord. You know, our God is sovereign. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they know everything. Every single thing that happens, they know in your life. So if something is in your life, some difficulty is in your life, they have either allowed it or they've caused it. It can only be one of two things, right? And so, you know, uh, even if God didn't cause it, hear me on this, the very fact that the difficulties in your life or in my life means that that the difficulty at least has his passive approval. What do I mean by that? Okay. What do I mean that everything in your life, whatever comes into your life, has at least his passive approval? Passive means he didn't cause it. But the very fact that he knows everything, he can do anything, the very fact that the problem entered your life, he could have stopped it. He knew it would be there. He could have stopped it. And he chose passively not to stop it. So you see what I mean? Every difficulty that comes into my life or your life, every problem, every issue, either the Lord either caused it or he allowed it to happen. Either way, it has his approval because he's allowed it to be there. We will never know the thousands, the tens of thousands of things that could have came into our life, but he did not approve it, so it did not happen. And hear me when I say this. I'm talking about things you and I caused or didn't cause, right? Thank you, Lord Jesus. But look at verse three. Jonah says, you hurled me into the deep, okay? He he says it's the Lord that hurled him into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me. And look at this. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Jonah knows he's serving a sovereign God, Matthew. He knows that God is in control, and he knows it's God that's put him in this situation. Knowing that should build our faith. Does that make sense? Hmm. When we know that we're in a difficulty or a situation, and again, there are consequences to our actions, but we serve a merciful God. Our sin is... The, the, the consequence of our sin should be eternal death and to spend eternity in hell separated from the triune God. But he's merciful to us. So in everything that happens to us, even the consequence of our sin has immense mercy. But to understand that the Lord is with you. If you're in Christ today, Jesus lives in you. Every aspect of your life, he's there. Okay. Knowing that, again, he either has allowed this to happen to you or he's caused it to happen to you. But the good thing is he is there with you. He knows what's happening and he is with you. Verse 4. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Jonah in his mind thought that he had been forsaken by God. Which he never had, right? He knew he was disobedient. He said, I said I have been banished from your sight. Sometimes we can think like the Lord isn't with us. Sometimes it's hard, right, y'all, when we look around and we can't see Jesus and he's not coming to our aid in the way that we want and the time that we want. We could feel like he's just not there. 
but he's always there. He's promised he will never leave us and he will never forsake us, right? You can see the scripture in, um, in Hebrews 12 and 13, okay? But look what Jonah says. I said I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Even when we don't feel that Jesus is, is, is with us, we could look toward him, right? We could put our gaze on him. You know, I've said this before, but most of my prayer, I confess, and even still, I, I try to make these changes, but most of my prayer seems to be seeking more the hand of God than the face of God. You remember when King David said, I sought your face? In our prayer time and, and just in our time of worship, we ought to be seeking just to be with Jesus, just to spend time with Jesus. We want to spend more time seeking his face as well as his hand. Now, when we seek his hand, that's when we're asking for things in prayer. We're looking for him to give us things, right? And of course, we're told to do that, right? But, but let's look to him, right? Even in your most difficult times, look to Jesus and just him personally. Just look for for him and to be with him and to spend time with him and invite him and his person into the situation, knowing that he's already there with you, right? So let's begin to seek the face of Jesus, just spending time with him and wanting to be with him, in addition to asking him for things on, be on behalf of ourselves and others, right? Jonah says, I'll look again toward your holy temple, right? Let's look again to Jesus today. Wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, look again to Jesus. If everything's great, look again to Jesus with thanksgiving, as we're going to see here in a few verses, right? Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seawood, seaweed was wrapped around my head. The situation in Jonah's mind was totally dire. And again, some of us can relate to this. Many of us have never never felt situations in our life like this, but many of us have. The engulfing waters threaten me. Sometimes it can just feel like, like, like you're just being engulfed with the situation. It's just overwhelming you. It seems like the deep is surrounding you, right? Sometimes it just feels like things can be so bad in this life, right? But that's why our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus and knowing Jesus and walking with Jesus and knowing he's there with us. Look at verse six. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. Sometimes it just feels like we're going down and down and down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. Jonah was thinking it was over. Sometimes when our problems are going on in our own minds, we think they will never end. But you're going to see in the second half of verse six here, whatever the problem we're in, it has a terminus, right, Jesse? It has a time. It has a beginning and an end, and it absolutely will end. No problems last forever, okay? The Lord is the one that's determined to bring the problem or allow the problem, and he has determined its end. But man, I mean, certainly I can relate to this, and most of us can relate, that when we're in the middle of it, it just seems like the like the problem will just never end. Mm. To the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But look at this. But you brought my life up from the pit, O oh Lord my God. It will end. Continue to look to Jesus, and he will bring your life up out of the pit.
He absolutely will. He has never failed. He's perfect. So whatever the situation is, whatever the fish is in your life, look to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Invite Jesus into it. And if everything's going great in your life, invite Jesus into it, right? Sometimes the Lord in pruning us will bring uh, difficulties into our lives, will bring circumstances into our lives because that drives us closer to him. But if things are going good, just make your life more about Jesus today. Your entire life, based on Romans 8.29, right? That the reason that the Lord destined you for salvation was so that you would be conformed to the image of Christ in this life. The reason you've been saved from your sin, right, is not just so you could be saved and go to heaven and just sing kumbaya for the rest of your life, right, or, or for me, but the reason we're saved is to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. If you go to Romans 8.29, you'll see the famous verse in Romans 8.28, right, for we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. But then when you look at verse 29, it says, for those God foreknew, he predestined, those he predestined, he called. And it says to be conformed to the image of the Son. So everything in our lives is being used for conformity to the image of Jesus. I'm reading a, uh, a very good book. I'm listening to the audio book by, uh, by Jerry Bridges, an incredible man of God. Um, went to be went 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 uh, went home to be with the Lord, I believe, in 2016. But it's called trusting God, and li literally, there's nothing harder for us to do as Christians. We can trust Him with our sin. We trust Him with the next life, right, May? But trusting Jesus with this life and the difficulties of this life and the problems of this life is hard. And so, I would recommend that book, Jerry Bridges, Trusting God. All his stuff is good. The Discipline of Grace. All of his books are outstanding. Um, but you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. Remember Jesus today. Think about Jesus. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Pray, cry out to Jesus. Jonah 2, verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to your holy temple. Remember Jesus today. Get, to, get yourself in a habit of thinking about Jesus, talking to Jesus, spending time in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, spending time in prayer and conversation with your heavenly Father. Remember Jesus. Now, Jonah says, when my life was ebbing away, again, when the Lord brings or allows difficulties into our life, the purpose that he has them there is so that you'll remember him. When life is going good, I mean, this is just a fact. When life is going good, we never remember Jesus as much, right? It's the difficulties and the circumstances that drive us often to deeper relationship with Jesus. And so that's why I keep saying, if your life is in a place now where things are wonderful, I urge you and myself to give yourself more to Jesus, more to Jesus, because when we're cavalier or when we're indifferent, 
it's not long if you're a child of God before difficulties are going to come. Because again, our life is about knowing Jesus Christ, growing in relationship with him, and growing to be like him, to think like him, right, Chloe? To live our lives like him, right, Peyton? Um, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. We remember you today, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you. We praise you and we love you. We remember you, Lord Jesus. Mm. And my prayer rose to your holy temple. Remember Jesus today and may your prayers and your thanksgivings go up to him. Look at verse eight. Now, this is interesting. He's rolling along here in his repentance, but he's gotten so now Jonah has gotten so solidified in his repentance. Look at what he says in verse 8. It's an interesting verse. It's an interesting break. He declares in verse 8. Remember, verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer, my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Look at verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Why does he say that there? Why is he rolling along in this fish, in this whale? And all of a sudden, he breaks off from the repentance and declares. He declares into the whole atmosphere, into the world. He declares to the Lord and all of us. It made itself into the word of God. Verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Wow, Lord. What are the worthless idols in my life that I cling to, Dave, thereby forfeiting the grace that could be mine? Look at verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. As Christians, those who are saved, we're in church, we're doing the deal, we have some worthless idols in our life. Just worthless things. Worthless thought patterns, worthless words that come out of our mouth, and worthless actions. We have devotion to things that have become an idol in our life. What is an idol? An idol is anything that you zealously give yourself to in a manner that you need it beside Jesus. Yeah, right? What are the worthless idols in your life today? What are the worthless idols in my life that you're clinging to? Because look what Jonah says. Again, he's now become so solidified in his prayer. His faith is so strong. He just declares. And this ought to be echoed out to the entire world, right? Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. That's Jonah 2 verse 8. If you don't know Jesus Christ today... What's the worthless idol you're clinging to? Every other religion is an idol. Okay? Only biblical Christianity, only in Christ is there grace for the forgiveness of your sin and the salvation of your soul. Everything else is not only an idol, it's worthless. Every other religion beside biblical Christianity is a worthless idol and you are forfeiting the grace that could be yours in Jesus Christ. Now listen, I know that's not popular to say. I don't even like it. I wish that everybody was saved. But I don't make the rules. And you don't make the rules. The triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're the ones that created the universe. 
They created the earth. They created humankind, men and women, right? Not only that, but then the second member of the Trinity, God the Son, enters the world that he created to live a perfect life on behalf of the humanity he created because humanity had gone so wrong, because we're so sinful, right? Jesus comes into the world that he created, lives a perfect life on behalf of sinful humanity that he created, you and me, dies a perfect torturous death for us because of our sinfulness so that we could have our sins forgiven, come into relationship with the triune God and ultimately go to heaven when we die. And then he's raised from the dead, right? That we worship him and love him. That grace can be yours today if you'll turn away from the worthless idol of whatever other religion you're in, okay? Any other religion, whatever it is in the world, right? Can be, could be Buddhism, could be Hinduism, could be Islam, could be atheism, could be agnosticism, whatever zizism you want, okay? It's all worthless idols, okay, if it doesn't have Jesus, okay? Only in Jesus Christ can there be grace. If you haven't given your life to Christ today, do so now. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Simply all you do is acknowledge that you're a sinful person. As the Bible says, all humanity is sinful and we're hopeless. There's nothing we can do. Most religions are trying to do a lot of good because they believe a lot of good will offset the bad they've done. They got this scale understanding. Hopefully God puts my good on one side, my bad on the other. Hopefully my good outweighs the bad. It's not how it works. All of our good won't take away our sin. We need a savior. Good doesn't take away bad. I've said this over and over. In the state of Texas, if I murdered somebody, all the good I did wouldn't matter. I'd stand before a judge and the judge would say, I'm guilty of murder if I did it. And I would have to pay the penalty of that in Texas. That would be life in prison or execution. All the good I did wouldn't take that away. It's the same when we stand before God, our father. All the good things we do don't take away our sin. We need the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Don't forfeit the grace that could be yours. Call on the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I believe you are the son of God and you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. I believe you're alive and risen and I ask you to come into my heart now and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin. I place all my faith hope and love in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. It's not the words that save you. It's Christ that saves you. But it's your genuine desire and acknowledgement of your need in him, of your need for him and crying out for him to be the Lord of your life. And again, a couple teachings back, you can look at the teaching, what is a Christian? How do I become a Christian? But now, just as important, Christians can, can cling to worthless idols in their life. If you're a Christian today and you've already received the grace of God and salvation, what, what worthless idols are you clinging to today? What worthless idols am I clinging to? I mean, social media is a massive idol in the world, right? The vast majority of people spend 10 times more time on social media, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, far more time on Instagram than they do with Jesus, right, Izzy? Far more time. It isn't right. Me, whatever it is, what's your deal, right? 
What is it? Sometimes we can spend a lot of time on Xbox. We can spend a lot of time playing video games, Stephen, right? How much time do we spend in our hobbies compared to the time we spend with Jesus? Lord Jesus, I ask you to help us. Whatever the worthless idol is in our life, could be money, it could be possessions, could be vanity. I spend so much time, I want to look good, right? If we spend as much time trying to trying to develop looking good on the inside as we did on the outside, I mean, we'd be irrelevant, powerful, forceful church for Jesus. But we don't. Lord, help us to repent as a church and to turn away each one of us individually from the worthless idols that we cling to, Lord, that we might have the grace of God, the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ be fully operational in us as your sons and daughters, Father, as Christians. Verse 9, But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Mm. Jonah knows his deliverance is coming now. You have a song of thanksgiving in your heart. Do you sacrifice a song of thanksgiving? Do you take time daily to thank Jesus for his incredible mercy on your life? He was tortured for you and me. But I would a song of thanksgiving. Songs of thanksgiving are not just for Sunday morning during uh, praise and worship at church. It's not just to sing at church. We ought to have a, a time of thanksgiving daily, multiple times of thanksgiving. There ought to be songs of thanksgiving in our heart. Verse 9, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What sacrifices are you making because of your relationship with Jesus today? What thankful sacrifices are you making today because of your relationship with Jesus Christ? Knowing Kristen, all he's done for you, right? Thinking about what he's done for you. A sacrifice costs us something, right? It ought to start with us sacrificing in our praise and our worship and our thanksgiving, of course at church, but every day, throughout the day, right? We can make time to praise Jesus and worship him and thank him and to just thank our heavenly father and the Holy Spirit and to just, uh, just grow in our thanksgiving. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. Do you have a lifestyle of, of living, of being a living sacrifice for Jesus that shows how thankful you are? That makes sense, Lauren, right? We want to we wanna have a lifestyle that shows how thankful we are to the Lord Jesus. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. What I have vowed I will make good. We need to be men and women of our word. We need to keep our word. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no, no. What I have vowed I will make good. When you give your word, you keep it. If you made a mistake in something you said, you, you quickly call the person and say, listen, I, I know I said I would do this. I ask you to forgive me. I need to do this, this, and this. But, but if you said you would do it, you need to do it, right? Um, oftentimes, we're very careless with our words, right? We don't let our yes be yes and no, no. We need to be men and women of our word, right? We need to use our words carefully. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Again, salvation doesn't come from us or our efforts or what we do. Of course, we need to live a lifestyle of doing good. But being saved from our sin and going to heaven, that comes entirely in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In verse 10, And the Lord commanded the fish, 
and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And the Lord commanded the fish. You notice the Lord's in command. What is the fish in your life today? Because the Lord commands the fish. Whatever the fish is in your life today, whatever is holding you down today, right? The Lord is in control of the fish in your life. The Lord is in control of the difficulty in your life. And the Lord commanded the fish. Not requested. The triune God don't make requests. Don't say please, ever. You never see God in the scriptures. It's a funny thing. I got to say please all the time. I'm supposed to. You're supposed to. Never does Jesus say please or thank you. Never does Jesus say please or thank you to us. Never in the scripture does God say please or thank you to his people. <laughs> Think about that. It's pretty deep, right? We ought to. That's good manners, but not him. Because the triune God, they created everything. Everything is theirs. We are not necessary, right? They, uh, the triune God created humanity. The Son of God entered into humanity and gave his life for humanity because they do want and enjoy relationship with us. They, they, they enjoy the intimacy of growing relationship with us as, as children of God, right? But they don't thank us and they don't say please, right? We are objects of mercy and we thank him and we pray to him. And the Lord commanded the fish. What is the fish in your life today? You notice after Jonah's repentance, you notice after Jonah's acknowledgement, the Lord commands the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. You can, you can have the Lord remove the fish from your life as well. You can have the Lord have the fish spit you out, and so can I. If you'll go through these verses and you'll repent to the Lord for wherever it is, whatever mistakes we've made, and you go to the Lord and you acknowledge him, and you put the situation in your hand, it won't be long before the Lord commands the fish and we'll be vomited out onto dry land. We'll be put back in a comfortable place. We don't know the timing of it, but certainly with Jonah's repentance comes his release from the whale. Again, what is the whale in our lives today? Lord Jesus, we do thank you and we worship you. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for Jonah chapter two. Holy Spirit, we ask you to show us the fish in our lives, the difficulties in our lives, the things in our lives where we've been disobedient. Help us, Lord Jesus, by your mercy to repent. And Heavenly Father, I ask for your mercy that you might remove the fish, the difficulties in our lives, and that we might have a song of thanksgiving and praise in our hearts, not only on Sunday mornings, but on every day of our life. Father, we worship you and we thank you and we praise you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.